We're back with another edition of the WFNY podcast brought to you by Evergreen Podcast. And with the Francisco Lindor trade, the Browns in the playoffs, obviously, I brought sports nom on to talk caps, right? Everybody I mean, wants to talk about, Damian, talk about? Dotson. Damian Dotson is what Cleveland fans are are asking to hear about. <laughs> yeah, so I I figured we'd talk caps a little bit with Jeff here. And by the way, we are live on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, anywhere you want to obviously talk Cavs because that is the number one subject in Cleveland sports right now. There's probably more places to watch us than people wanting to talk Cavs right now. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. At least, you, yeah. I we might need so. people to log on to two, to two platforms just, just to make us feel a little bit better here. True. No, actually, I but think seriously. people are excited. It's been a good start. Yeah, I think the Cavs. Eight games in the season. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries. We're, we'll, we'll get into that, but they're dealing with a bunch of injuries, and they're still 4-4, four and four, and even when they're losing, they're still fun and competitive. We could not say that last season. It's the least Cavsian thing of all time, like just like pretty much confidence. I was actually, when, when you asked me to come on, I was actually thinking to myself, like there's not that much to talk about. They're, they're kind of just boringly competent, right? Like the young guys are progressing pretty well. The roster's not bad. The vets are playing pretty well. They're winning some games that, you know, they're losing some, like they're, they're this is the least interesting the Cavs have been in a long time in terms of just pure entertainment value. I don't know if that's – I feel like that's a compliment, though, especially after, like, the last oh, two is. seasons. There's been no – I forget who tweeted it the other day. Like, they are not the Cabs. You know how everybody accidentally tweets Cabs instead of Cabs. Like, there's been no Cabs. No Cabs. There's been no Cabs this year. It's all Cabs, and that's that's a huge improvement. You know, I, I can't ask for more. Just boring confidence is is just a massive step up. I, and that is, like, that's definitely progress, but that also shows you – how bad it's been since LeBron left as well. That yes. boring, being boring and being competitive is like right. five steps in the right direction. Right. And I'll take it. I'll take every second of it. But it, it is it is kind of funny after the last couple of years of just having constant, like you never know that. Like for a while there, it was like, if you got a Woj bomb, if you got that notification hitting your phone, like there was a decent chance it was about the caps. Like I feel like we were like 20% of all Woj bombs. You know, like for there being 30 teams, our ratio of, of Woj bombs was was massive. Um, and I don't feel like when I get the Woj bomb anymore, I don't think it's going to be caps. I don't think it's going to be caps related. All right. Now, here's the first. I'll, I'll make fun of the Indians probably a couple times tonight just because they're easy to make fun of on a day like today. But it's weird to see that the Indians are salaried and up and dumping while the Cavs are competitive. Who saw that coming in 2020? Yeah, I know. It's 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 crazy how quickly the Indians have fallen, you know. Out of, out of favor from going from the competent team for years while everyone else was terrible, and now all of a sudden they're they're catching theirs. They're still competent, I guess you'd say. But yeah, enough with Indian stock. I that will just bring me down. But the Cavs. So the number one player, which I by the way, we are recording this on Thursday night. The Cavs play tonight. So obviously, if you're listening to this Friday morning or some Cavs play that, tonight, a couple okay, of the Cavs yeah, play true. tonight. That's what I was gonna bring up. If Colin Sexton is currently questionable, if he misses the game tonight, the Cavs will not only start their eighth different lineup in nine games, but they will be they will be without seven rotation players. Like what? I don't know if that's bad luck. I don't know if I don't even know. And none of them are due to COVID. They're all injuries. Yeah, that's that's one of the craziest things. Like if you told me there would be games we'd be without seven guys, I'd be like yeah, and like those games are probably still coming. Like they're still going to be the COVID games, I'm sure. Right. Like I, it's just, it's hitting all the sports. It's hitting everybody. It's hitting the whole world. Right. Like there's going to be a couple of weeks of the season where we're without a bunch of guys. 
but this is like uh, independent of all that. It's like insane. Um, so I, I, and we played, do we play Memphis? Is that right? Yeah. Memphis without, and Jar- they're without, without a bunch Jar- of guys. Yeah. Or Jaron Jackson, who's still out. So, True. um, I, you know, if people aren't watching this one, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody can get too I'll mad watch at it just because it's sports, but yeah, watching the Cavs and Cavs without seven rotational, well, six rotation guys, possibly seven and Memphis without John Morant and Jaron Jackson among others is not entertaining. No. Probably. And this is a game that like in a stacked draft with a team that still needs like the superstar, um, you, you kind of hope they lose this one, right? Like this is the game to lose. It's, it, we weren't supposed to talk games, about this five minutes into the podcast. Lose the games where nobody's playing. Those are the ones like, that's fine. Get those True. losses out of the way. Win all the games where, you know, the guys that you need to win are, are winning. See, this is, this is how they got to play it this year. That's how you tank without actually tanking. Right. Accidental tanking is the best kind. Or an injury. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so speaking of Colin Sexton, he has looked really good this year. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say he's looked really good. Um, ever since they drafted him, I feel like he was – everyone thought that he could possibly turn into this kind of player just because of the, his work ethic. But he has turned into like a bona fide scorer, and even though he's not essentially the point guard, he can still create shots for himself. He's still getting guys open. I know Carter Rodriguez tweeted something. I think it was last week. Colin Sexton is a lot better off the ball than he is with the ball in his hands, and it's perfect if you have a guy like Darius Garland. And it's yeah. proven because he scored 20 points at least in all eight games this year. It's funny how, and it probably is still true long-term, but how we all said that Sexton and Garland can't coexist. We're going to have to kind of pick one. And, and you know what? Long-term, that is probably still going to be true. But in the short-term this season when they've had a lot of success, it seems like they've looked much better together where you have Garland able to get the guys into the set, move the ball, collapse defense a little bit, and then Sexton moving off the ball, finishing plays, has really been one of, you know, something that's been really successful and put them both in, in positions where they've looked really good. And it's funny because that's the opposite of what we all kind of assumed was going to be happening. So um, that's been good and helpful, and maybe they can coexist a little bit long-term. But with Sexton it playing would, like this, it, it feels like you have a shot every night because he's going to put up it really does. points. It really does. Like I, if you would have told me that Sexton would be averaging in the high twenties and score at least twenty points a night the first eight games of the season, I would have been like, there has to be like no one else on the court. But I mean, <laughs> and it's and he's not only shooting, now, <laughs> yeah, and it's not just because he's shooting a lot either. He's very efficient. I'll have to look yeah. up his stats exactly, but he's been a very efficient scorer. And it's it's interesting because he scored a lot last year, and it was I, I think he was about average efficiently, maybe a tick above. Um, and this year, you know, he's only grown on that. But it does feel like a difference this year in just like the eye test side of things, where last year he kind of did his scoring off on the like, yes, Colin Sexton is scoring over here, but I don't know that it's contributing to the larger picture. But this year it feels like it contributes to the larger picture a lot more. He's he's taking over in some fourth quarters, he's making big shots, he's picking up um, you know, when the when the offense needs it, he's coming in and scoring and he but he's not taking over the games in a way that maybe he used to just and you still see it a little bit, you know, he'd sit there and pound it and just, it, it was a Colin Sexton show, but it seems like he's finding ways to exist within the larger scope of the team much better than what he did in the past. And it's helping him be efficient. It's helping him be more impactful, um, both in the ways you can measure and, and in the ways it's a little bit harder to measure. Yeah. I mean, watching him be able to like, not only create his own shot, but just score like he has, I don't know. Eight games is obviously a small sample size, but it's also worth mentioning that he's shooting 
overall and 52% from three. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this coming, no matter how. I mean, I know there were rumors that he looked really, him and Darius Garland looked really good in the offseason, but the offseason is the offseason. I don't think anyone saw this type of jump coming from him in the season, even if it is only eight games. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. He, you know, he, when he used to drive to the rim, he used to be a little bit reckless. He used to just kind of get blocked or just go nowhere, and he, he, there'd be a lot of shaking your head. And I feel like every time he does that, now it goes in. Like he's really figured out how to go in there, absorb some contact, draw some fouls, and and finish in a way that makes his speed that much more um, impactful. When he first came in, there was a lot of like De'Aaron Fox comparisons, and I always thought, well, Fox is such a like a violent finisher. Like he goes up, he plays above the rim. He can really, you know, he, he can score when he gets to the to the hole. Like the defense has to be scared. Whereas Sexton, I felt like would go in there without so much of a plan and not be able to finish above guys and really struggle. And it seems like he's getting much better in that area, um, as well as adding like that kind of little floater in between push shot kind of thing. Um, that, that's been helpful that as well. I know, we need to name it. We I just love it. that description that you just made. <laughs> That was that's awesome. I hope, term. I hope that's used. Yeah, I hope that's used more <laughs> often. But speaking of I, this conversation is for another day, but speaking of De'Aaron Fox and Colin Sexton um, comparisons, it's worth noting that Fox got a um, max extension this past summer. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to try to jinx anything, but it's I just it's worth coming. noting. Yeah, I think it's, it's just coming. worth noting that De'Aaron Fox received that max extension this past summer. Yeah, I think it's coming. I mean, Sexton's 22. We saw guys like Fox and Murray and Mitchell and some guys who put up very similar kind of stat lines, um, you know, get those big deals. Even like a Jalen Brown, uh, who's a very different player, but still, you know, young, productive kind of guy. They get paid because they're the most valuable asset in the world, right? A young guy who you think could be your lead scorer is is going to get paid. And so um, whether it's the full max, I don't know. You know, Darren Fox was a little bit more polished, um, provide a little bit more on the offensive side. You know, he's, he's a real point guard, um, but he's going to get paid. I think people just need to. I, I don't. I think people just need to be extremely prepared for how much he's going to get paid because it's not going to be a little bit of money. It's not going to be twenty million a year. It's it's definitely going to be north of that. I would say. And if he keeps this up, I don't even think I would. I mean. It's so weird in the NBA how there's a max extension because like a guy like LeBron receives the max. So you can't compare if Colin Sexton gets it to LeBron, but it's just like you have to com- compare to De'Aaron Fox, just like we said. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps progressing like he is so far, I think it's well worth it. I, I mean, I guess you could say it's not well worth money as a, sh- a small shooting guard, but if he progresses like he has, and he continues to get better, I think it's well worth the money. Right. And it, I mean, listen, these are much better problems than I thought we were going to have last year. Um, but it, it's going to put you in a situation where you're going to have to kind of figure out that he and Garland can, can coexist together. If not, which one of them you're going to prioritize? You know, can you build a team around a six foot one shooting guard? Um, you know, those, those questions are going to have to be answered at, at some point. And I think this draft will probably answer a lot of those um, because, it, and not to, you know, skip ahead of the season, which is a fun season and guys are playing great, but there's a lot of really good tall point guards coming out, right? Cade and Jalen Suggs and stuff. So, you know, if the Cavs land one or two somehow in the lottery, there's going to be more decisions going to have to be made at that spot too. So it it is a big year for decisions being made about these guys going in. I was hoping that Sexton or Garland would prove themselves worth building around. 
Um, I didn't really dream that both would. So <laughs> this is absolutely best case scenario for the Cavs right now. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a good thing. For us to be talking about a Colin Sexton max extension is definitely a good thing. I mean, like you said, right. I, if you would have told me last year at this time that we'd be having this discussion right now, I would have said that you were drunk because there's mm-hmm. no way the way that he was looking. Mm-hmm. And I just wish the perfect scenario would be Colin Sexton being about three inches, three or four inches taller, and the Garland, I'll, I'll say it, the Sexland backcourt would be perfect. It seriously yeah. would. Yeah. The it's, biggest it's, problem it's is just the height. And, you know, Sexton's long, which helps a little bit, um, but I don't know that he's ever going to be a big. I'd like to see where his defense gets in a year or two um, because he's got all the physical tools. He's got the he's got the kind of attitude, you know, going 100 mile an hour all the time. But I think a lot of defenses feel and I, I, I think it's fair to say the one thing on Sexton's game that he that he doesn't have a ton of is, is feel. He can go get a bucket. Um, he's super athletic. He does a lot of good things on the court. Um and he started to create some turnovers and stuff too, you know, and that's great. But I, I don't know that Feel is ever going to be his strongest point on the court, and so I want to see where his defense gets because Garland physically doesn't ever profile to be uh, a, a super great defensive point guard, uh, even if his feel for the game is is much higher. Um, so it's going to be weird to see how those two could coexist if you're going to get a Dame and CJ kind of thing going on, uh, where it just puts the rest of your of your defense at a disadvantage because those two just. It's just really hard to stack them up next to each other and figure out how it's going to work. But in the short term, I think it's perfectly fine. I, I like that they're working together well. I like they're both succeeding. Um, but it, it's it's going to create a lot of questions down the road. The NBA is going toward the small lineup much more ever since the death lineup in Golden State. Um, Except for the Cavs. They're playing JaVale and Drummond at the same time. You know? Yeah, so. I would say. And then you had the Cavs playing JaVale, Drummond, and then two small guards as their point guard and shooting guard. So like they went to like both extremes. Right. It's kind of funny. I mean, I guess, you know, wings are the hardest thing to find. So stack up on every, on the cheaper stuff. It's easier to find. Um, speaking of wins, funny. speaking of wins and defense, Isaac Okoro, I know he hasn't played much. Unfortunately, he's only played three games so far out of the eight. Um, He's known for his defense. He's known for being an off-the-ball kind of guy on offense, which perfectly plays into the Sexland backcourt. And you brought up Jalen Brown earlier as well. I feel like his if he can be a Jalen Brown type, that is perfect for this team, especially with the backcourt that they have. Oh, for sure. And it's it's fun to watch a guy, you know, we're talking about feel. Like He's a guy with a, a ton of feel for the game. Um, he's having a ton of impact without putting up numbers without necessarily making plays that you know without finishing plays he's just doing a ton out there to to keep things moving uh to help on the defensive end making the little hustle plays so i could definitely be see him being a slow burn guy especially because he doesn't force himself on games uh at all in fact it would be interesting if sexton didn't play tonight because it might force a coro to to put the ball in his hand and and see what he can do a little bit more because i feel like we've barely seen i know we might have andre andre drummond point guard tonight if uh Sexton and Garland are both out. Point Drummond. I'm all in on point Drummond. <laughs> only if JaVale, I, only if JaVale plays the two. I'm in it just for the entertainment factor. <laughs> um but Okoro's been spectacular uh in, in the small in the small you know portions that we've seen him. I think his floor right now is, is pretty clearly pretty high just in terms of a defender and impact guy on that side. And then you're, you're hoping he can add the offensive things like a Jalen Brown. You know that slow burn 
keep getting a little bit better every year. And all of a sudden, you know, Jalen Brown's a friggin' stud this year. So the, the hope is he can just keep adding to that. He has the feel. He has a lot of skill. Um, he doesn't force himself on games at all right now. So I'm, I'm hoping as the year goes on, he gets comfortable. He starts taking the ball a little bit and we can see what he can do off the bounce and, and doing a little bit more with the ball in his hand. The good thing about Okoro is that he's very, co- I know this is cliche. He's very coachable. He's a great defender. And he, like you said, he has a good feel for the game and he's good at finishing at the rim. Those four things aren't really teachable, but shooting is teachable and it you can develop it. So I feel like if he were to have four of the five, I'd want him to have the four that he currently has and yeah. then develop a shot. Yeah. And he has cool hair. I think we have, we, you know, we <laughs> true, might leave true. the NBA in cool hair. Um, we've got to be up there. We got to see what KPJ is up to when he comes back. Um, I feel like he was really holding up, holding up a lot there as well. I um, feel like KPJ, if he comes back, is like a huge question mark, but we'll get to that as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Okoro's been spectacular. He has, like you said, like some really, really important fundamental skills that just make his floor. I think just that his floor is really, really high because you can see he has the talent, the skills, the feel to be out there. And then it's just, where does it go from there? You know, how much more can he add to that? Um, but it's a really, really good place to start from. And so like, after watching Sexton's rookie year and Garland's rookie year, like it's, it's great to start from this point because <laughs> those were rough, right? And we came out of those years uh, not really sure what we had and, and with a lot more hope of just, well, I hope they get to, you know, it's kind of the level Okoro's already at. Like, I feel like he's reaching a level where you're already feeling pretty comfortable with him and then he can just add to that. Yeah, and I feel like I know Sexton, he's he's known for his work ethic. That's been known ever since the Cavs drafted him. I feel like having a, a guy that like that that has shown that work ethic leads to what Sexton has done already is only like uh, if Okoro follows along on that same path, I feel like that's only good things to come, especially if second continues to develop, continues to develop. Yeah. And I appreciate that the front office is kind of stacking those guys, you know, like let's find guys who will just work, who will, who will reach their highest potential because we know that they'll put in the effort and get them together, which creates an environment where maybe you can pull in some guys who don't have that same level and, and, they get in that environment where Okoro's in the gym all the time. Sexton's in the gym all the time. You know, you've heard Garland's uh, a gym rat and his pre-draft stuff. So if they get around that, all those guys are working out all the time. You hope that the the environment is just set for anybody you bring in to kind of get sucked into that and reach their potential as well. It's all about the culture, which I feel like JB Bickerstaff, not John Beeline. I've, it's still weird that John Beeline was the Cavs head coach a <laughs> year ago. That was rough. That was Cavs. You know, we talked about like, whether it's Cavs or Cabs. That was Cabs. True. That that was like beyond. That was like Cabs with like ten Bs. Yeah, it it's still weird to think that John Beeline was once the head coach of the Cavaliers, and it was like last season. Yeah, it feels so long ago. So many things have happened in like that short span of, of NBA life that it's just outlandish. But yeah, and I feel. I've been extremely happy with JB and the players clearly love him from a culture standpoint. You can tell that the players talk about him different than they talked about like a, like a B line. Right. Um, and so I think that's really good. And it's one of those things with like Altman and, and JB where uh, I don't know how good they are yet. I don't know that I would argue either one is great or anything like that, but in, in terms of that competency that, that we were talking about, this franchise just needed to get to like, 
mediocre, right? Like we just needed to mediocre stop. Is a flailing. huge step in the right direction, right? Just stop flailing. Like just get some pieces and culture in there that is just stabilizing. And I think that they've done a really good job of of that this season. Like, okay, things are starting to be stabilized. Things are starting to feel like a normal basketball team would feel, um, which is foreign to the Cavs for as long as I think I've been following them. But um, just getting to that point is really good. I think Bickerstaff was a, was was a really big, huge part of that. And you know, how far will he take us? I don't know. He hasn't had success elsewhere, but he seems to be doing a lot of great stuff here. Um, you know, that the the coach taking you from bad to mediocre is often not the coach that takes you from mediocre to great. But uh, this is a, the most important step because you can't get to great without skipping a step unless LeBron comes to your team randomly um, after four years away, right? So, uh, you know, I think he's been really good for this team and it is exactly what they needed. It really is. I mean, when they hired JB full-time and gave him that extension, I was like, eh. Yeah. But so far, not only like as the culture, but it's clear that the players not only love him, but – He's helping the guys develop, especially the young guys, which is most important, obviously. I mean, the Cavs want to win now, I guess, maybe. But it's important. The most important thing is that the young guys continue to develop. And it's worth mentioning that the Cavs currently, I know their competition hasn't been the best, but they currently have the third best defensive rating in the NBA right now. Which is crazy. Yeah. Even if you would have said that they were top 10, I would have said that you were a liar prior to the season and looking back at last season. Yeah. Right now it's number three. I don't care who they've played. That is a huge step as well. Right. And I think they've simplified some things and they've played a system that makes more sense. They have two seven footers back there. So, you know, you play some drop coverage, you let you, you, your guards are going to get beat some, but you have a big guy back there to clean up some of the mess. And I, and I think that helps some. And I think that's, you know, I've heard, you know, Carter Rodriguez, you were mentioning earlier, those chase town guys talking about, but, um, Tristan was amazing, and I, and I wish he was still on the team, but he's a very different defensive kind of player than a JaVale or an Andre Drummond, and I think the the current guys make a lot of sense for what's going on right now and what they're being asked to do in a way that Tristan um, maybe didn't as much. Tristan's much, much better at like the highest level. If I was going into a playoff series, I would want Tristan over, over Drummond on my defense, but for what the Cavs are trying to do right now, those guys make more sense, and it just, in all seriousness, this is the first time the roster's made any sense. Since LeBron True. left, we've been in True. asset collection mode, right? It's just assets, 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 expiring contracts, draft picks, just picking best player available. And this is the first year where it's like, okay, Andre Drummond is your five. That makes sense. He's a legitimate NBA five. Isaac Okoro is your three. We're not trying to play Jetty there. We're not trying to play KPJ. We're not, you know, Jetty was playing the four a bunch, not just recently. You know, we're, we're actually putting guys in positions that make sense, that fit what they're trying to do in the NBA. And I think that um, we're seeing a lot of that as well. Just a roster that finally makes a little bit more sense than maybe it used to. And as we said already, that is a huge step in the right direction. <laughs> right, right. Literally just having players at positions. That's That's what we've done. This is this is the big puzzle that they figured out, <laughs> and just like we all saw coming, Javale McGee, the three point shooter as well. Man, so not only do we have Andre Drummond that. playing point guard, possibly, which would be awesome, but we had Javale, Javale McGee shooting threes and making them. Stretch, stretch Javale. Um, I threw a hissy fit when they traded for Javale McGee, and he's been great. So uh, you know that shows that shows my initial reactions are always awful. I need to I need to <laughs> sleep on things before I tweet. I, I never will, but I should definitely never. sleep on things before. I, I feel like tweeting. that's what. If everyone slept on things and before they tweeted, 
Twitter would be a lot better place. You should but have to submit are. your tweet. You like you submit your tweet, and then like within, it's like you wait two hours, and then it tweets. So that you can... It'll be like, "Have you slept yet? Yes or no?" Yeah, right. Are you? But sure? seriously though, and after like trades, it should you shouldn't be allowed to tweet about a team within two hours of a trade. Yes, I feel like there'd be so many back. better takes. Yes, just everybody take a step back. Seriously, but I'll know. Um, that, that's no fun. But yeah, I'm. The the third best defensive rating is still just crazy to me, and especially because they've been without Isaac Okoro, who's known as mm-hmm. a defensive player. I mean, if he comes back and is fully healthy, I think they can keep a top ten defensive rating, which is like like we said multiple times already. That is a huge step in the right direction, right? And the efforts there, which is the biggest thing, you know, even as they're going to hit take their lumps all season, right? Like like the hot start was great, but this is going to be a team that loses more games than it wins um, on the whole, but the effort level has been amazing. If they can keep that up, um, the defense is going to stay good and they're going to just have a chance every night. They're going to be a pesky team. You know, we haven't had a team that was pesky and a bunch of tryhards in a long time. So that's, that's really good. And Drummond's been spectacular um, compared to what I think we all maybe expected. Um, you know, the, the, the opinion on guys shifts a lot. And he went from all-star to almost, you know, a laughing stock. But he's he's a solid player, and he's he's been really dialing up on the defensive end. It's been really good to see. His problem is that he's known as a defensive guy, defensive big guy that gets rebounds. And in today's NBA, that's just like not really thought of. Well, I guess Rudy Rudy Gobert, but he he's like really good. Like Drummond's not Rudy Gobert, you know? Like he's not he's not doing what Gobert's doing out there. Drummond, like the idea of Drummond is much better it's than good. what you actually see. <laughs> right. I like um, that. But the been, idea is he, much better than the actual in real life experience. Yeah. But he's been playing really, really well. He's creating a ton of turnovers. He's blocking some shots. He's been, you know, he's he's been doing what exactly what they need. And uh, this conversation's for another day because the trade deadline's still a couple months out, I think. But it will be interesting to see one. I'm a, if Andre Drummond's traded, I'm assuming he will be. I'm expiring, but it'll be interest, interesting to see what a playoff team gives up for Drummond. Like yeah, what the Cavs salary. His contract is so big; it, it limits you know how many things you can do, how many teams can get up to that salary number to even make a trade. I think the odds of an extension have gone up quite a bit. I think before the season, if you told me, you know, what were the odds that they were going to sign? Uh, drum into an extension i was said zero i don't i think they want him out as soon as possible or you know i think they'll, they'll get him out as soon as possible and now the way things have clicked um i do think that there's a little bit more possibility of that i wouldn't expect it i don't think it's like more likely than not but i think that that you know we we're talking about the woge bombs they weren't cabs related recently that would that's one i could see coming through i don't know how much money i'd give them but i guess i mean the Cavs literally have nothing at center especially after this season with JaVale McGee out. Right. Um, Kevin Love, who knows? I mean, I hope he can come back and play. Who knows yeah, what, you just what's going to be up with Kevin Love. Anything. You literally have no centers. And that's why, you know, a short deal would be awesome. I would overpay him on a two-year deal as a bridge to something else pretty easily. I'm done with that. You know, I don't want to give him four years, 80 million, or four years, 70 million, whatever it would take to get him um, – you know, Steven Adams just signed for what 17 and a half per year. So, you know, assuming Drummond got somewhere around that on an average per year, but like two years, 50 million, like, yeah, I would say two years, like 45 or 50 million. I'm cool with that yeah. too, because 
Colin Sexton will be coming up on an extension, but besides that, you don't really have any key pieces coming up that need an extension in the next three years. I mean, right. Garland, I guess, in like two years, but that's it. But yeah, you're far enough away, and he and Love would expire around the same time then, and you can figure out what you want to do you know, at that point. So I, I, I think a short-term deal while you figure out what's going on makes a ton of sense. But I, I would love to hold off to the draft because, again, you know, there's an Evan Mobley sitting out there when you pick, say you have the third or fourth pick, and he's who's on the board. Well, then you, maybe you don't need Drummond around you as much, and you can just get a stopgap while you bring Mobley along. So I do feel like a sure. lot of I feel like a lot of the Cavs' decisions need to wait on this draft and where they land and who's available. And that's just way too good. If they get halfway through the season and they banked way too many wins, it doesn't look like they're going to be at the top lotto team. You know, then you can start doing some things. Mm-hmm. But if it goes like it looks, you know, if we're looking like we're going to be a bottom five team and staring at a top five six pick, then I think they need to kind of hold off and see what's going on there. I think at full strength, the Cavs can be a fringe playoff team, like play for the playing games. But with the injuries racking up as they are, and if KPJ is not back till who knows when, if Kevin Love's out for a while, which it seems like he might be, um, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton should be back somewhat soon. Well, mm-hmm. Colin Sexton should be back like very yeah, soon. Yeah, he might be back. Darius Garland yeah. is a week or two. I feel like at full strength, yeah, they could be a fringe playoff team, but it just all comes down to injuries. If they keep yeah. getting hurt, they're going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. And they've already lost a couple, you know, Exum's out for an extended period. Love's already out for an extended period. So, you know, that's a bummer. You start stacking these little nicks on top of those, and it gets hard because then you don't have much of a roster. And I haven't heard anything about Delhi. What's going on with Delhi? Have you heard I any have updates? No idea. That's like the I same it was thing a with KPJ. It's been weeks. Yeah. And they keep saying, like, oh, yeah, he's been ruled out tomorrow, parentheses, concussion. I don't, that's such a weird. Because, like, he re-signed here. So, like, it's not like they just have him on contract and, like, let him go home. You know what I mean? And we're desperate for point guards. It's not like we have somebody else to play that spot. You know, it's not like he's he wasn't going to play anyway. Like, we could really use some Delhi minutes right now. Especially tonight. If Sexton's out, we could really use Delhi. That's how dire the situation is. He might start tonight if he was healthy. So, that I, I, I do wish we had a little bit more update on that. Like, the KPJ thing is, there's clearly, like, a lot going on that's not basketball related there. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I don't care to pry all that much. I just, I, I KPJ lives like separate from the rest of, of my Cavs thoughts because it's hard to include him in any real, you know, future thoughts right now. But uh, Delhi's a guy that we could use right now. And there's kind of this weird lingering injury. So I, I, I do hope that he comes back sooner rather than later. Yeah. KPJ is one of those situations where, I expect nothing from him. So if I get anything from him, it's just a bonus. Yeah. That's basically yeah. the situation that I have in mind. And like in my mind at this point, there's as good a chance that he never plays for us again as there is that he plays for us again. You know, I, like this is, it's just been going on for so long. I hate it's, to agree with you, but I agree with you. Yeah. Just it, listen, we've, you know, we've all been following sports long enough. This isn't that uncommon of a story where something happens with the team and, you know, there's character stuff and you're just trying to figure it out and the fans don't really know what's going on. And then someday you just get the notification that they parted ways or something. So I, I hope not. I, they picked up his option, I think. Right. So clearly yeah. they're trying to make it work. But then again, um, there's a reason why Oh, I would say if there's a reason why he went 30th in the NBA draft when he was like a top five talent. Yeah. I mean, and it is what it is at this point. I, picking up the option is a vote of confidence that they're going to try to make it work somehow. You know, if they hadn't done that, I would, I would think that the experiment was about over. So, um, but it'd be sure nice to see what he could add to this roster. 
Absolutely. Yeah, especially with all these injuries. I mean, KPJ is not hurt, I think, from the accident. I think it's just all the stuff off the court that's the reason. I don't know. I just think it's weird that the Cavs haven't really said anything, but I think it's more of a behind-the-scenes thing where they might not be able to say anything about it. So maybe that's why just there's been no updates. Yeah, and it just might not be helpful. You know, it's one of those maybe we don't need to know much more than we have already. True. That we already know. But yeah, I just so, know that we need some bodies so I don't watch Jetty jacking up 43s every night and going off the back of the room. And you can't even blame him. Like, there's literally, you know, there's nothing else to happen on that offense. But man, we can use some bodies because I, I need to not watch Jetty go one for 12. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm afraid to watch tonight's game. And by the way, as I said earlier, we're recording this on Thursday night. So the Cavs play at Memphis tonight. I'm afraid to watch tonight's game if Sexton is out as well. Mm-hmm. It could be really ugly. Right. I'll still want to see a Coro, so I'll probably still watch. You, you know, but oh man, that's rough. Yeah, I I mean, I don't even see how they can put up like 90 points. You'd need Okoro to score at least 20, Drummond to score 20, JaVale to make five threes just to put up 90. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I want to see stuff to be positive with so many injuries. They should just feed Drummond every time down because I feel like every Drummond shot comes with about one. Like every every four points by Drummond comes with like two offensive rebounds because he misses his own shot and picks it back up. Like I want to see him go for like 60 and 40 tonight. Let's just, let's just feed it to him. Every just set every records time. all over the place. Yeah. I think he's but the only player where his points about... and rebounds are like completely tied together. Like <laughs> the more misses he has, the more rebounds he has. So really yeah, it's like exactly. a positive set either way for Drummond. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Larry Nance. He is, he's not the best player. He's averaging eight and a half points and six and a half rebounds. But I feel like if I want any player to be super successful on this team, it's Larry Nance Jr. Even well, I okay without the young guys, not that I obviously want Colin Sexton to be successful. But just like what he does off the court, it's clear that he's one one of the leaders on the team. And with Tristan Thompson gone, that is huge. This team needs a leader, especially that one that's with the team with Caleb out. He just brings so much to this team, even though the backstore might not say it. It cracks me up when you hear national guys. Like I know that I think Bill Simmons did it and Hollinger did it. I, I feel like I saw somebody else do it. Like talking about Larry Nance trades and stuff. Like, no, he, he's a lifer. Like they're, they're not going to trade. He that is. Like he's, he's like, he's a Cavs lifer like Dwayne Wade is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but like, He's not going to be traded. Like he is a mascot as much as an NBA player for for this team, and it cracks me up when people do that. Like you just have no idea, like what what this team is about if you think they're going to trade him. Um, but yeah, he's been spectacular. I love him in a smaller role. He's another guy that the injuries have kind of exposed a little bit, and you're like, okay, he's super useful in a limited role, and you add too much to his plate, it starts to get to be you know he starts to get exposed a little bit. So I, I'm excited to see him back in that role where. He's leading the bench units. Um, he's coming out, you know, he's finishing games, making all the little plays. And uh, he's he's kind of a glue guy that keeps everything else going. And like you said, some leadership in that locker room where uh, I don't know that Drummond is a, is a leader type of guy in that sense. You know, I think Nance is more the kind of guy who's going to be vocal, who's going to focus on the locker room, who's going to keep guys, pick him up and go with it. Um, and so he's that veteran that can really do that. And as much as I love Kevin Love, like I, I don't know that, I don't know what his presence exactly is on this team. It's a very strange, he's a very strange relationship with it. Is very strange. I, I mean, you can only lead so much when you're not playing the game. Like, I feel yeah. like 
in order to be like, hey, you have to do this, like you should obviously be playing in practice. I mean, that's like him less fault. Maybe he is legitimately hurt. I mean, obviously he is legitimately hurt, but if you're hurt and not participating, I feel like you can you can only lead so much. And I I I think he's close with all the guys. I think like the if you watch him and Sexton interact and you hear them talk about each other, they're clearly very close. And and when Kevin gets frustrated with him, I think it's because he like they are close and he does mentor him a lot and try to keep him going. Um, but Kevin's also very outward with his frustration, whether it was with you know Beeline last year, or you know we've heard what he said to Kobe Altman last off season and. So I do think that makes from for a little bit of a weird situation too. It, it, I don't want to feel like I'm talking down about Kevin Love because I think that he's very good. I think he's good for the locker room. I think guys look up to him. I think that they really respect him and think of him as like this core anchor that they can lean on quite a bit. But his kind of leadership is is definitely different, more behind the scenes, um, and some of that other stuff maybe punctures it a little bit. Whereas Nance is more kind of a rah rah leader on the court. Yeah. you know, keep guys going. Uh, I think more of a presence. Yeah, Kevin Love is a great leader, I'm sure, but I think he's a little bit too passive aggressive in the public eye. Like, if you go on Twitter and look up Kevin Love, like being passive aggressive, there's like times where he like does this and he doesn't receive oh, yeah, a pass, or he passes the ball to a wide open guy in the corner and he doesn't shoot, and he does that. I think, like I said, Kevin Love could be a great leader, but I think he's a bit too passive aggressive to be a Larry Nance type. Yeah, I think it may be a better way to say it is he's a locker room leader more than an on-court leader, it seems like. Great, um, great point. He seems very close with these guys. They all look up to him. Like it, It's clear. It's not like they don't like him. It's not like he doesn't like these guys. But on the court, the guy who I trust more to keep guys moving and not sulk or not get in arguments or not throw the ball at Jetty at the end of a half because he's mad at the coach or something, um, you know, that's going to be Nance. Whereas I think Love's probably taking guys under his wing in the locker room, showing them the ropes, keeping them motivated. Um Tell them what to work on, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with that. That he's more of a locker room type leader than on court. I mean, that's definitely not a problem. It's not a bad thing. It's just no, not at all. Team has. And I'm yeah. interested in what he's like coming back. I hope. I, I think the team is going to pass him by a little bit. Um, I think we came into this year thinking he was going to be the best player or the focal point and the guy that got a lot of touches and the guy that was the engine. And I don't think that's going to be true when he comes back. I think we're going to pass that with, with Sexton, with Garland, even with Drummond um, as being the guys that are uh, the focal points of the team. And so I'm interested how Kevin Love handles that because I think he has potential to be like a spectacular secondary. I don't want to call a role player, but you know, not the focus of the offense, but the guy who does a lot of little stuff. I think that's probably a really, really great role. Um, for him and i'm interested to see if he's willing to kind of jump into that role i feel like he might because it will keep him more fresh but then it might give him like a bet i don't know i mean he already won a championship so it's not like he's like still rooting or going for a reign but if he is say in the starting lineup that has sexton garland okoro love drummond he's the third option maybe fourth Mm -hmm. i don't know it'll it will be weird for him to go from like a star a few years ago to the fourth option on a rebuilding team. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And even on this rebuilding team, he was the headliner, right? Like going into yeah. the season, he was still the guy we thought was going to be the headliner. And I don't think that's going to be true when he comes back. Um, but to your point, he could stay fresher. He's going to be able to get a lot more easy buckets. He's not going to have to work for things nearly as much. Um, and so I'll just be interested to see how that, how that all kind of works out. 
the good news is that he won't be taking away playing time from any of the younger guys being the power uh, forward. Dean Wade. Might take away- wow. <laughs> Dean Wade slander. Okay, so as I was saying, <laughs> but he might be taking away touches, which could be a problem. But then again, yeah. if he's opening, if he's spacing the floor the way Kevin Love should, then D Wade does currently, as you said, mm-hmm. then that's going to only open things up more for Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and Okoro to get to the hoop, which is obviously his biggest strength right now is rookie season. So maybe it's like a, Kevin Love might not be touching the ball as much, but he'll be making things easier for the three younger guys. And like, he's a great passer and we've had a ton of success with like Nance and even some drumming, you know, passing um, out of our big men. So maybe that's a role he could jump into as well, where he's not finishing as many plays, but he's, he's kind of quarterbacking a lot of, a lot of it as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a good Cavs talk. We just talked for 40 minutes about the Cavs being out. This is like we've said multiple times, this is a huge step in the right direction that we just talked for 40 minutes and like 35 was like somewhat positive about the Cavs and the players. <laughs> right. Right. There's no big like disaster that we were talking about. There's no like John Beeline's uh, that in a fight in the locker room with Kevin Love. Nothing None like of this that. conversation was sluggish at all. No, seriously. Which is <laughs> I, like we've said thousands of times already in this last 40 minutes. That right. is a huge step in the right direction. Um, Yeah, I, I feel like J.B. Bickerstaff, I know he hasn't had the track record record-wise but he is like the perfect coach for this type of team. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if it's him or who they have doing the development work. You know, they still have some pretty highly touted um, assistants, but the, the growth we've seen from, uh, from Sexton and Garland is just incredible. Um, So that's always a good thing too. It's kind of like, you know, the Indians, you always trust them when they get a pitcher in a trade. Where you're like, I don't even care how good that pitcher is. They're going to make them awesome. Right? You like, they just Indian <laughs> in trades tonight, by the way. I'm sorry. We, I'm we sorry. went 42 minutes and you finally had to print up Indian <laughs> in trades. But, you know, like they, they get the benefit of the doubt on getting the most out of those guys. And so I, I, I hope that the, the Cavs can get to that point where when they draft a guy, you're, you're saying, okay, I can trust that the organization is going to know how to get the most out of this guy. And that be a player like, one of the ball brothers and say, Hey, I'm not coming to Cleveland. (laughs) And you know, that helps you be an organization that players want to go to. Right. Um, I think that's really good. So um, that's good as well. Yeah. So Nam, thanks for joining us. Maybe we'll be on here in the next couple weeks, couple months, whatever it is. Talk Cavs. Maybe it's about the draft. Maybe it's about playoffs. I don't know. Like we said, it all comes down to injuries. I feel like at full strength, this team could be, Pretty good. Annoying. They could be really annoying for a bunch of teams, right? In a good way. Oh yeah, for teams, yes. But in for fans, like very entertaining. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But yeah. So Nam, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you coming on, talking about the Cavs, not the Cabs, the Cavs. <laughs> yes, for once. But yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Great. Thank you. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.